Hey, it's Jamie Scrimger. When I became a stepmom, I quickly realized that while moms are encouraged to keep it real, there's a big double standard when it comes to stepmoms. So I decided to start the conversation myself. Thriving as a stepmom doesn't just come from conversations about being a stepmom though. Here we dive into marriage, relationships, personal growth, and more. My mission, inspire you to live a kick-ass life while bringing you along as I create my own. This is the Kick-Ass Stepmom Podcast. It is just me for this one, guys. And we are switching things up and doing a assumptions podcast. I heard it on another show and I thought it was fun. So I have taken the idea. So basically how this works is you guys submit your assumptions about me or us or our family or whatever, and I will confirm or debunk your assumptions. So in this one, we're talking about stepkids, my marriage, the ex, work, my prenup, stuff like that. So like I said on Instagram, I asked you guys to send in what you assume to be true. And I think these ones are fun because as real and authentic as I try to be, and I try to be so open with you guys, you can't really portray everything about someone's life online. And as a result, people often have assumptions that aren't true. Even the other day when I was sharing, I was sharing a sunset picture on Instagram. So I just like picture of our dining room, which was super clean at the time. And I was just like, loved the sky. So I just shared it on my stories. And then afterwards, I actually shared a follow-up picture being like, yeah, that room was like perfect. But you know, meanwhile, this is what the other section of that room looks like. Someone messaged me and said that they were happy that I was sharing the messy side because she was about to mute me because she felt like my house was always clean. And obviously, I don't know, my clean dining room triggered her. I don't know. But That one clip just really made me think about how Instagram is just, again, not real life. It seemed like my house was always clean and that is not the truth. Anyways, we have talked about this before, but we really have to remember that Instagram and social media and all of this really is just a glimpse of someone's world. All right. So let's dive in to the assumptions. First one is you guys laugh a lot as a family. And I would say, yes, this is true. We chirp each other a lot. And I personally parent with a lot of sarcasm too. We're just really open with things like the birds and the bees or sex issues or issues with the kids. We will make jokes about them, but in like an educational way. So there's a message behind it, if that makes sense. So I'm sure you can use your imagination about the issues that come up with teenagers now that the kids are 16, 19, and 20. But we really do try to make light of situations and just feel comfortable talking about anything. And with that, we do giggle a lot. And, you know, instead of parenting in a traditional way, for me, I, again, parent with a lot of sarcasm. So instead of, say, giving the kids crap about something, I'll say, seriously, I'm just wondering, in what world and your experience of living with me for 10 years, did you think that that was going to fly with me? And I say it very sarcastically and as a joke, and the kids will kind of laugh and be like, oh yeah, I do not know what I was thinking. And we kind of use that as a conversation point for things that come up. Or I think I've shared this one before, but I had asked my stepson to clean his room several times. Like it had been, I would say probably three or four weeks at this point, and the room was just not getting addressed. And so we were driving and I said to him, I said, hey, so I have asked you to clean your room probably like nine times in the last few weeks nothing's happened. So I was just wondering at what point is it appropriate for me to get mad? 
Like at what point would it be okay for, you know, there to be a consequence or something to happen here? And obviously I'm being sarcastic. And he kind of laughs. He's like, yeah, you're right. I think that if it's not done by tomorrow at four, you can get mad. I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to lose my shit. He's like, totally. You can lose your shit tomorrow at four if this isn't done. And you know what? Actually, it ended up getting done and it was fine, but we laughed about it, right? Like it was just a very different way of approaching things. So that's kind of how things fly in our house. The next assumption is your kitchen is always clean before you go to bed. I wish it usually is, but it's not always, especially if we miss the dishwasher. Like if you don't run the dishwasher first thing in the morning and it gets full by the end of the day, it kind of like screws things up, especially when you have a big family and you have a backlog of dishes. But I think it's really important for me. Well, I don't think, I know it's really important for me to wake up with a clean kitchen in the morning. I come down, I have my coffee, I light a candle, you know, maybe read a book, make my plan for the day. And I find it really relaxing to do that, except for when the kitchen is trash. So I do make it a priority. And it is the one room in our house that is mostly clean, just because I do think it really sets the vibe for the house. And I feel when you have clutter and stuff everywhere, it just feels chaotic. And I don't like that feeling in the home. Next assumption, you are friends with your kid's friend's mom. Yeah, I am. I have a lot of my good friends I have met through my stepkids, especially when they were in hockey. Like some of my best girlfriends I have met through the kids. Okay, so the next assumption is you are fun and get along with anyone. And honestly, I don't think that's true. No, it's not true. I'm more shy than you think. And I'm also really about having a core small group of friends than being friends with everyone. I don't love big crowds. I don't love small talk. I would rather have a conversation with someone about like their childhood trauma and marriage and deep, dark wounds and all those things than just have this like surface, yeah, small talk conversation. So I can socialize and I can have a good time and I can be extroverted and I can make the small talk, but My social tank can get drained very quickly. And so I can be really deliberate about what gets my time and energy, especially if I'm not with my core group of friends. Like I can get really overwhelmed in social situations. Actually, there is an interesting story. So a few weeks back, we were at a birthday party for a friend and I was sitting with my really good girlfriend, Hen, and someone who we know from town. And I'm not friends with this girl. I I know who she is. I've like seen her places. We could say hi if we saw each other in the grocery store, but I really didn't know her that well. And she didn't know me. And after we were chit-chatting for a while and we had kind of had to spend some time together, she said that she wanted to be honest with me. And she was like, you know, I had judged you and I really thought you were unapproachable and basically like kind of a biatch. And now that I know you, I realized I was wrong. Like you're actually really nice. And honestly, that didn't offend me at all because I do know that at times maybe I can be unapproachable because probably if I'm being very honest, sometimes I, I want to be unapproachable. Like I don't really want to be approached. I just kind of want to go do my thing. Anyway, I was like, you know, that's okay. And then we laughed and it was funny because my girlfriend, Hen, she was like, yeah, Jamie's just an introvert because that's just a big joke between us about because she's very extroverted and I'm very introverted. So she's like, she's not a bit, she's just introverted. So anyway, I guess I'm, I'm not as fun as maybe people think I am. Next one is you lived with your dad, but your sisters lived with your mom growing up. So yes, my parents split when I was in the second grade and we all moved to my mom's and we saw my dad three weekends out of four. And then I think we had extended time during the summer. And then I would say a year or two later, I 
moved home with my dad. My mom had moved us to another town. It was about 45 minutes away and I switched schools and stuff and I wasn't adjusting well. So I moved back with my dad and then Brittany came during, I think the seventh grade. And I don't know when, but Jason, my brother eventually came and he moved to dad's. And then it was really nice because at that point, my mom moved back to our small town where we had lived and she brought my little sister. So everyone just kind of lived down the road from each other. But at that point, I was in university a few hours away, so it wasn't really didn't really have an impact on me, but it was really nice just to have everyone in the same town. Next one, more of a curiosity than an assumption. Prenup, do you guys have one? So here is the story about the prenup. We were not going to do a prenup. We had talked a lot about it, and we just didn't think it was necessary. I didn't think it was a thing. Then about three or four days before we were about to get married a lawyer got into Darren's head and he came home and wanted me to sign something. And I was pissed, not because of the prenup, but because it was so rushed and it was last minute and I was blindsided. And I didn't understand what this document said because it was in legal jargon. And I certainly was not going to sign something that I didn't understand. And there were also things to consider, like our plan was for me to be at home so I could be there more for the kids. At that point, we weren't sure if I was going to go back to work. We had just planned on running our family in a different way. So again, there was a lot of things to consider. I was upset. I called my uncle Dave and I was like, I don't know what to do. And he told me to call a lawyer and he says, fine, don't be offended. Call a lawyer. And I wasn't offended. I'm totally for prenups, if that makes sense. I was just really blindsided and overwhelmed, but there was really no time. And at that point we had been really saving and struggling to pay for this wedding. So we paid for everything on our own. And like a few hundred dollars on a lawyer just made me kind of want to throw up. But from Darren's perspective, basically he had just been bent over in a divorce and he just wanted to prevent that from happening again. So here's what I did. I basically created a Word document with what would happen financially if we split. Like I went to Darren and I said, okay, what are your worries? What are you scared of? How do we do this so we both feel comfortable? And we literally just wrote it out on paper. So basically what I brought in was mine and I brought in nothing. What he brought in was, well, I brought in my student debt. So that was going to be on me to pay off if we went to Splitsville. And he brought in what was his and really that was that. The only thing that I was like, I am not taking responsibility for this was I made him agree. Well, not made him. I asked him to agree to, he would have to pay off my car. So if we split he would have to pay off my car because I had had a smaller car. It was just me and my dog. And because I was driving the kids around and I was going to be commuting more, he wanted me to get an SUV, which was more expensive. So I was like, I had to get this because of you. So if we split, you got to pay for that. Cause at that point I could not afford that payment. So that was that we had this word document. We signed it. It made sense. It was in English. We came up with it collaboratively and I have no idea where that paper is now, but I do believe it gave him some peace of mind in the moment. So yeah, like I said, I really have no problem with prenups. I think they're actually very smart and you do have to go into marriage with some sort of a business head, but I do think you need to create one that makes sense for you and your family and how you're going to run your family and make sure that it's fair. Like if a woman is, or a man is sacrificing their career and staying home, they're still contributing to the home. 
And that's extremely valuable because it allows the other parent who's building their career, the breadwinner, to advance their career because their other responsibilities are being looked after. And you just don't want to set yourself up to be screwed over if something happens and you don't have income coming in. Actually, I can't believe I just shared that on the podcast. Darren blindsided me with a prenup. Okay, next one is you have a cupboard where you have mismatched things like mugs. Yes, I do like everything to match. I like when things are in a set and when they don't, they are not going to be out for people to see. Actually, it's not people to see. I don't care what people see. I just don't want to see it. Next one is you two disagree sometimes on parenting style for Reese, but you get the final say. You know what? I thought we would disagree more on parenting with Reese, especially because when we first got together, it seemed like we were so different. Like the things he would let the kids do, I thought were insane. And, you know, this is just out of experience and this may be true for others or it may be offensive to some and this is not my intent, but... I found that when I went from being a stepmom to also being a mom, it was a really humbling experience. And I became far less judgmental of his parenting and the ex's parenting. And before that, I was so stuck in trying to do things perfectly. And, you know, it's really easy to come in and say you would do things different when you haven't been there from the beginning or haven't had the same parenting experience. And having Reese from day one really taught me to let go of that desire for perfection. Because, you know, if you're so stuck on trying to make things perfect and being the perfect wife and being the perfect stepmom and having structure and routine and making things, everything always is running correctly, you're not very fun to be around. You need to have a little bit of flexibility. And yeah, it's not perfect. Even when you're trying to make everything perfect, it makes things feel less perfect. So There are so many things that I thought I would never allow Reese to do that I do let her do now or things that I thought I'd be super strict on that I am not. And when I look back, I actually think I'm far more strict with my stepkids than I ever was with Reese because they really taught me a lot. They probably got, yeah, they've definitely taught me a lot when it comes to just letting go, going with the flow, picking your battles and, you know, playing the long game. That being said, to answer your question, if it did come down to a choice, with who would get the final say of a race, I feel like it would be me. And not because we've decided it, just because I'm the one who does a lot of things for Reese. I'm with her all the time. I do all of her extracurriculars. I'm running around with her. I handle her tutoring and a lot of stuff with school. And Darren works later. Like I'm stay at home and I have a pulse on what's going on, maybe a bit more than he does. So yeah, I would say I get the final say and not if you asked him, he would be like, no, you don't, but I don't even really ask. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. The other day, someone asked me when I think it's a good time to start therapy. And I was like, now, it is always a good time to start therapy. Even when I don't think that there's anything to talk about, I will go into my session and realize that there's always room for growth. There's always something going on. And this isn't just for those who are struggling or who have experienced a major trauma. Getting to know yourself can be a lifelong process, especially because we're always growing and changing. Strategies, habits, and narratives that have worked for us in the past often need an upgrade. Therapy is all about deepening your self-awareness and understanding because sometimes we don't know what we want or why we react the way we do or what's actually triggering us until we talk things through. BetterHelp connects you with a licensed therapist who can take you on that journey of self-discovery from wherever you are. There have been so many times when I've been talking to a therapist and she says something and I'm like, oh my God, I have never thought about this situation that way. And it changed the way I perceive my stressor in life and the way that I react to it. 
Just last month, I was talking to my therapist about some stuff that has come up in my marriage. And she said something that made me stop in my tracks and be like, wow, okay, yes. It changed everything. Having this expert third party to see your situation from an expert's perspective is game changing. It's helped me to set boundaries, understand my triggers, and get better coping skills for when life gets tough. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It is entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. And you know what? If it's not a fit, you can switch your therapist anytime for no additional charge, which is super important because you need to mesh with your therapist. Discover your potential with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash stepmom today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash stepmom. Messes and chaos in the house don't bother you. This is true, kind of, but not really. It really depends on what mood I'm in, but I've definitely let this go as time has gone on. You know, back in the day, I was spending so much time bitching about things, worrying about things, making sure everyone's room was perfectly clean and everything was tidy and everything was perfect that it was, it was exhausting. And I realized the root of it all was my need for perfection and control that actually came from fear and insecurity and, you know, all the personal growth work that I've had to do. And I've done a lot of work to figure out where that fear and insecurity comes from. Now I still like when things are tidy, but I'm not as anal about it. And I have realistic expectations. And often I just clean it myself because it's not worth nagging Darren and the kids to do things that aren't really that big of a deal. And it's only my priority. It's not theirs. Like they're, they're fairly clean. It's not a big deal. But when I want it to be super clean, I feel like that's kind of on me. That you knew what to talk to your stepkids about when you first met them and were starting out as a stepmom. I don't know about that, but I do know that I learned a lot from my experience as a child of divorce with my dad's girlfriends and where they went wrong. Like my dad has some really, real good ones, that's for sure. And for us, when we first got together, like I never felt like a priority with my dad's girlfriends. I never felt like they cared. I felt like they didn't want us around. So I was very kid focused, especially at the beginning. Like we were always making weekends about the kids, including the kids and what we were doing, planning things with them and just trying to make them feel as included as possible. Now, I don't remember saying this, but my stepdaughter told me in the podcast episode that she did on here that she remembers when she was young, me telling her that if she ever felt like I was being too much or that she needed more time with her dad, like she could tell me wouldn't hurt my feelings and I would back off. And, you know, I think this is really sweet that she remembers that because obviously that stuck with her. But I do believe I was just extra empathetic to the kids experience this time because I had been there myself. In the beginning of your marriage, you had to lose your shit on the ex a couple of times. I don't think I had to, I chose to, and it's not something that I'm proud of. I don't think losing your shit on anyone is anything to be proud of, to be quite honest. We did definitely have some heated conversations though, and I have overstepped on many occasions. And at times my delivery could probably be more polished. We've had words. You know, my opinions were valid. My experience was valid, but my delivery was not my shiniest moment. And there have actually been a couple of times where I've had to apologize to her. Like that's one thing about me. Like I screw up on a regular, but I will always apologize and I will always own it. In fact, I was going through our office a while back and I found a copy of the apology letter that I had emailed her. And when I read it, I actually couldn't even read what I had wrote her because 
I couldn't believe that I had the balls to say some of the things that I did. And looking back, that was more about my insecurity and my resentment and my unhealed wounds than it was about anything that was going on. And I know that can be really hard to wrap your head around, especially if you're in the trenches right now, but it's very true. Like when they say the way someone treats you is more about them than it is about you, the same goes for you. Like the way you treat someone or the way you respond to things or the way you act has way more to do with you than it does with them. All right, next one. You're sick of talking about stepmom stuff. Some days, yeah. (laughs) It's a lot of talking about stepmom stuff, especially now that I am not in the depths of it. But I do love what I do. I love that I get to be part of opening up this conversation and providing this support and just really redefining the narrative around stepmotherhood because I do think it's really important. Okay, next. I don't assume this, but I feel like people may assume that Darren is the breadwinner. No, that is totally true. Yes, I have a great business. I make a good living. And I also make more than I ever would have made if I stayed in my job at child protection. And I also have so much more freedom. But Darren is 100% the breadwinner. And he always has been. We have a very traditional roles in our home where my responsibility really is the kids and managing the house and making sure we have everything and dinner. And, you know, he does a lot of the blue things like being a primary breadwinner and you know, the lawn, stuff like that. And I know this is triggering to some and people think this is like an old fashioned way of doing things, but this is just what works for us. Like, I think you do whatever works best for you. But at the end of the day, yes, I'm an entrepreneur. Yes, I have a business. Yes, I have a team. But my number one priority is the kids and our home. And my work really is second to that. Like that is my part-time job. And this is like my full-time job. And, you know, Darren's business has been able to grow the extent it has. And he, he says this to me all the time because he can do the night appointments and he can do the long days because he has someone at home supporting him. Like he doesn't have to worry about a lot of the stuff on the home front, if you will. Now, this is really interesting timing because yesterday I was listening to a podcast with a husband and wife and they were really just opening up about the struggles that they're having in their marriage right now. And they both work and they're both working from home. And I don't know the details of the situation, but they were talking about the stress in their marriage and the wife was just feeling like she had the emotional burden and it felt like she was doing more than her share and everything was falling on her with the kids and she really just felt like she needed more support, which I think is so common right now, right? Women are working full time and they're doing so much with the kids. Yes, there's been a shift, but this is, if you listen on Instagram, the experience of a lot of women right now. Now, in this situation, both of them were really doing like the same jobs within the home and there was really no defined roles. And an issue in their marriage was that she felt like there was an unequal distribution. And it made me think about our marriage. And again, this is controversial. It may not resonate with everyone and may not be relevant or applicable. And I also recognize that there's privilege in this, but I think that With Darren and I, we have such defined roles that I know what's on my plate. He knows what's on his plate. And there doesn't feel like this unequal distribution or any confusion about who should step up to do what because it's very divided and it's very defined. Now, that doesn't mean like he's not a great dad and he's not involved. Like he changed diapers, all those things. Very active. But we're both leaders in different areas when we're running our family, which I just thought was interesting. So yeah, to... Answer the assumption, Darren is definitely the breadwinner. I am more of the stay-at-home mom with a side gig. Next one is, you find being a stepmom easy now and hardly get upset about stepmom stuff anymore. 
Yeah, I don't think I get upset about step parenting stuff as much anymore. It just is what it is, right? It's cyclical. You know where the triggers are. You know where your triggers are. You know where you need to do the work. We're we're coming up in 10 years married. So things definitely don't rattle me the way that they used to. And my priorities now really are my relationship with the kids, making sure our house is a safe place, keeping, you know, the vibe really nice and homey and yeah, I just want this to be everyone's safe space. So yeah, my reactions just aren't what they used to be. I don't think parenting is easy. Like we have, you know, 16, well, he's going to be 19 and Maddie's going to be 21 in September. Like the kids are getting older. So the problems are bigger problems and you just want to be that support for them and, you know, help them figure out who they are in the world while still guiding them. And uh, yeah, it's just this tricky, tricky balance. Next one is it's draining to support all the time in your personal and professional life. Yes and no. I, I do like being there for people and I love what I do and I love that I get to support and again, be part of changing the conversation. But I find if I'm not taking care of myself while I'm doing these things and really protecting my energy, then I, it can feel really depleting. Next one, you are the boss, you are more of the enforcer of rules. I'd say, yeah, probably for a lot of things, but then in other ways, I'm not. Again, Darren and I just are so different in our parenting val not in our parenting values. We have the same values, but things that we think matter. So he is more of a stickler around like grades and school and you know, university and your future and all of that kind of stuff. And he's very stuck in his ways there. And I'm a little more easygoing and yeah, I'm more easygoing on age-appropriate behaviors, but more strict on like keeping the house clean and stuff like that. So we do have a good balance. Next one, you don't like your husband's ex. That's not true. She is the mother of three of the most important people in my life. And relationships and co-parenting can be complicated, but it's not a dislike. I've had great times with her, great conversations with her. And I've said many times that if we weren't in the situation that we're in, we would probably get along just great. And I do have high hopes for the future. Assuming child support ends when the kids turn 18, how does that work with school and support? Well, it's not exactly 18, but when they're either working full-time or in school, like post-secondary, then child support ends. Now we pay for most of, well, we pay for all of school, but there's no child support during that time. If they're living outside the home, like if they were to still live at home, then there would be child support. But for example, you know, my stepdaughter, she stayed back one extra year of high school after she was 18 just to get some course upgrades. And we still paid child support then, even though she was above 18. So 18 is not just like that strict cutoff. There's actually a list in the agreement just with like a bunch of different factors that can result in the end of child support. But yeah, when the kids are past 18 or in school and just like no longer entitled to child support, like going to their mom, basically any support we provide would just go directly to them. Now that's not written in the agreement. That's just kind of what we do. You were grateful that you kept the long game thought process throughout your stepmom journey. Yes. 100% play the long game, pick your battles, ask yourself if it really matters. You know, the number one priority, do the kids feel loved? Do the kids feel safe? Is my relationship secure and thriving? Like really try to focus on the things that matter and the things that you have control over. Because if you start to fixate on all the things you don't have control over, you're just going to get into this really tough spot and you end up feeling resentful. And that can be a really tough place to crawl out of. 
Next one, Darren is a good communicator, which makes step family life easier. I say yes and no. Like he's come a long way from where we were when we first started. Communication is something that we're always working on. But I do think this platform really educates him. Like we have a lot of conversations about step family dynamics. Like he's heard it all. And I think that educates him, right? And I think that he really does try to understand my perspective and has really never put any unrealistic expectations on me as a stepmom. So that helps. And he has my back no matter what. Like I really do think it is important in a marriage that you have each other's back. You are their biggest supporter. And even if you don't agree, you can have those conversations behind the scenes. But under no circumstance would he tolerate anyone being disrespectful to me. And I think that is crucial, especially in a second marriage when kids are involved. You use time blocking effectively. Um, I'm working on it, not 100%, but it is something that I'm striving for. Next one, you never have breakdowns and have your shit together. Um, I don't have breakdowns like I used to. Like I used to like this whole platform started when I was bawling on the bathroom floor, right? Like I would have a complete breakdown, but I do still get overwhelmed but I'm really in tune with my emotions now. So like, I know when I'm struggling, I know when I need to take care of myself. I know when I need to have a conversation with Darren about something that's bothering me. Like I don't keep things inside anymore. I really am all about kind of processing anything that comes up whenever it comes up. So that prevents me from having those breakdowns because I think the breakdowns happen when you just have all of this buildup of emotions. Now, the second part is like, you have your shit together. Honestly, I'm trying so hard to get organized and I've come so far this year. I'm I'm really, really proud of myself actually, but there's still some more organization and just systems and I'm trying to not be such a hot mess, but work in progress. Okay. Last one is you are a go with the flow when it comes to your stepkids. I say, yes, I am. Again, when you have an issue with everything and you're trying to control everything or you're bitching about everything, or you're always trying to bring up all the issues that you have or everything that you don't agree with, with how they're being raised and rules and expectations, all the things you become like white noise and no one listens to you. Cause you're just always have something to say about everything. Right. So it's just like this nagging white noise in the background. So I've learned to pick and choose my battles. Think about if it really matters or if it doesn't, like if it's not going to be an issue in a month from now, it's not worth me getting upset about it right now. So Now, when I have a hard no on something and something is really important to me, or I'm not going to be go with the flow about it, people listen because I haven't been just nagging about everything else, right? It carries more weight. So I am more go with the flow, mostly because I've done a lot of work and I just have a different perspective and mindset around things. And also because I'm being strategic and I would really like my hard no's to have more weight. All right. That's it for this one, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'll catch you in the next one. Bye. That's it for this one. Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, if you enjoyed this episode, share it with someone who you think it would resonate with. And if you haven't already, if you could take a couple minutes, head to iTunes and give this podcast a rating and a review. It would mean the world to me, but only if you like the episode though. If you don't, that's cool. Just remember what they say. You don't have anything nice to say. Don't say it at all. Now, if you are a stepmom craving more, I highly recommend joining my membership, the exclusive stepmom community. Members get access to additional podcast episodes, interviews, and coaching sessions, and live Q and A's, and just exclusive next level content and conversation that I don't share anywhere else. Have an issue or a stressor that you'd like my support with? 
just bring it to the Ask Jamie section of the forum. I check in throughout the week and I'm here to help you out. To get more information or to join, head to www.jamiescrimger.com forward slash membership. And I'll see you in there.